Although I really value my degree in social work and it really helped me with things like case management at Vision of Hope, honestly, the degree left me wondering how I could really help people. Didn't really feel equipped, especially in the area of counseling. I had no idea how to counsel people based on a four-year social work degree. Welcome to Biblical Counseling in Action. I'm Steve Byers, and this is a podcast that addresses questions like, how do these principles penetrate every facet of local church ministry? What does it look like when biblical counseling starts to impact the youth ministry, or our ladies' Bible studies, or our men's ministries, or the way leaders function together, or the way decisions are made in the church? And what does it look like in the lives of everyday church members who have been trained, or maybe who have been counseled, but now they're continuing to live out these principles in everyday life? That's what this podcast is all about. Welcome back to Biblical Counseling in Action. Today we're talking to Mrs. Heather Starkweather, the clinical director at Vision of Hope in Lafayette. You know, Heather, I I was thinking about just the way God has used you at our church, and you're one of the many people that I would say, I'm, I'm just so thankful that God has worked in your life has allowed you to be such a faithful and godly servant. And it's my hope and prayer that others would be willing to follow the example that God's allowed you to begin and would also be an encouragement to other churches that would be thinking about, is it even possible to do the kind of work that someone like Heather has been called to do? I mentioned that you serve at Vision of Hope. I realize that there's a number of our listeners that may not understand what that means. And so could you start, Heather, just by telling us a little bit about the ministry? Sure. Vision of Hope is a residential ministry. So ladies live at Vision of Hope while receiving biblical counseling. Hmm. Ladies have found themselves in situations where they need more than just weekly outpatient counseling. Mm -hmm. They need people to walk alongside of them day by day, oftentimes for their own protection and accountability. I like to explain Vision of Hope like a counseling ER. Mm. If you think about your regular doctor checkups and the aches and pains that you might experience throughout the year, you go make an appointment to see your doctor and that's sufficient. But sometimes you need to go to the ER because it's become a life or death situation. And you might even call your doctor and he might say, you need to go straight to the ER. That's right. So I think about Vision of Hope as a counseling ER. It really Mm. is oftentimes life or death for the ladies that come there. Sometimes they're contemplating suicide and they walk in the door and they say, this is my last chance. Mm. If I don't find hope here, I'm going to take my own life. And other times they might be really enslaved to a drug or alcohol addiction or an eating disorder, and they really do need life-saving intervention. And so it's such a joy to work with them about an average of a year to maybe 18 months. And the majority of the time they live in the home with us, but it's very transitional, which I think is a very wise way to serve women because they learn how to have more independence the longer they're there. And eventually they move out while they're still receiving counseling and then transfer to an every other week or once a month counseling before they reach graduation. So it's a phased approach. So we don't go from 60 miles an hour to nothing. It's a phased out type approach. Exactly. 
Yeah. You know, I'm wondering about a person who might be listening to this, either a pastor, a church leader, maybe a, a godly woman like yourself, and think there's no way that a church could do residential care for young ladies that like the ones you're describing. And I can remember for us as a church, we used to talk about this. We would dream about it, weep about it when we wished that the resources would be available. And then what happened in our situation, a foundation actually approached us and asked us to consider starting a ministry like this. And while we had so many other things that we were starting at the time, and I just remember explaining to these folks, look, we, our plate is full. We can't do that right now. It's great. We just can't do it. The foundation encouraged us at least to figure out what it would cost. And so we did some research and found out it would cost about a million and a quarter dollars to build a facility capable of serving 24 young ladies in a residential setting. But we explained to the foundation, even if we had one and a quarter million dollars sitting around somewhere we didn't know what to do with, we wouldn't start a ministry like that unless we had half the operating budget for the first 10 years committed in advance as well, which was another million and a quarter dollars. So we explained to this foundation, there's two and a half million reasons why we're not doing this. And I can remember the foundation saying to us, well, fine, we just want to give you two and a half million dollars. And that's exactly what they did. And I don't understand people or organizations that have the ability to do that. That's not my life. If I wrote you, Heather, a check for $2.5 million today, tomorrow I would be starting a jail ministry from the inside, right? I don't, but, but there are people and organizations that God has blessed that way. And I've certainly learned as a pastor, oftentimes I think too small. I look at situations through the grid of my resources and my wisdom and all of that. And that's an offense to God. He can do, as he says in Ephesians 3, exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever ask or think. And that's exactly what happened here. But then having a facility or maybe even having some operating funds, that doesn't necessarily help you with what you need the most because you have to have staff members who are trained. And the foundation gave us the gift because they wanted to be sure that the care that was being provided for the young ladies was based on the scripture. It was based on biblical counseling. And so how do you find staff members or volunteers who are willing to serve the kind of young ladies that you're talking about? And so that's the part of the story that I'm interested in us exploring more is how did Jesus develop a Heather Starkweather? And so can you tell us a little bit about how did you become interested in biblical counseling? Well, interestingly enough, I would say probably through the most painful experience that I went through. And when I was very, very young and unwise, I got engaged in high school to my longtime high school sweetheart. And we were supposed to get married the year after I graduated from high school, mm. and I started going to a little community college, Purdue North, up in Westville, and mm. I wanted to be an accountant. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> well, that didn't last long because I didn't get very good grades. <laughs> I loved accounting, and I was very excited about my upcoming wedding, and through a long series of events, he called the wedding off, and in a very hurtful way, I joke around now and say, I never dreamed I'd be being stood up by my fiance, but that happened uh -huh. pretty regularly. And he called off the wedding three months before we were to get married. Wow. So pretty much everything was all in line to happen and mm -hmm. was pretty last minute, kind of left at the altar situation. And it was very difficult. And I felt very lost. And like my life that I had been living for a very long time 
was ripped out from underneath me, and I had no idea what to do. So I sinfully, through the idolatry worship of safety and escape, decided I was going to get out of Dodge. And so I went to a Christian college miles away from home, so I didn't have to face or deal with what had happened. But in my heart, there was also a desire to really grow in relationship with Christ because I was desperate for Him mm. and desperate for hope and healing and had no idea how to find it, knew that's where it was. I was a Christian, but I didn't understand heart idolatry at all. Mm. And I did have a motivation and a desire to try to find meaning out of what had happened and maybe figure out, could I maybe help someone else who had gone through something like this, because I'd never heard of anyone having a broken engagement. Hmm. And I thought, it's like being divorced without ever being married. Interesting. I really grew in college. It was a joy to be in a Christian college where I had fellowship with other women and godly women. And I decided at that point I would just be single for the rest of my life Hmm. and serve Jesus Hmm. and hopefully minister to hurting women. I didn't know how. And I sought a degree in social work and Mm -hmm. a Christian social worker. I thought maybe God could use that. And I graduated from college, and that's where I actually met my current husband, Jim, Mm. a very godly man. And even though I had made a commitment to be single, I really was grateful for a godly man to date and get married to. And so God and Jim had a different view, is that right? Yes. <laughs> they talked you <laughs> off of that? They talked me out of that, and it was uh, a blessing to be with someone who loved Jesus. And, Amen. And yeah. I'm very grateful for my husband. He is incredibly supportive of Vision of Hope, and that's another topic in itself. Yeah. But You know, when you have a dream and a desire to serve other people, you don't always know what that's going to look like. And it took a long, long journey to get there. We had children, and I was a stay-at-home mom for many years. Uh And I'm grateful for that time at home with my kids. Mm. And when it was time to consider going back into the workforce, I really didn't know what to do or or where to pursue. And we had moved to Lafayette in 1999 from Michigan. And I just loved our church, and I loved how passionate they were about serving the community. That's Uh like a dream come true for a social worker, Uh to have your pastor and your leadership have desires to serve in the community. And I remember thinking, you know, this Amy Baker, I've heard a little bit about her, and I've heard that she does counseling, and I've heard that she has a degree in psychology. I wonder if she'd be willing to meet with me and Mm. give me some counsel. Because I was thinking maybe I should go get my master's degree in social work. Interesting. But I also knew there were some concerns about that and some of the avenues that might take me. So I was just a little unsure. And Amy very graciously met with me. And she really started sharing with me about the 11-week biblical counseling training course that was available (laughs) at church. And like I said, I was a stay-at-home mom at that time. And I was like, well, this would be great. I could go on Mondays Uh and get biblical counseling training. And Mm then see where that leads. And the huge eye-opener was how it affected myself first and foremost. Interesting. I loved it. And Mm. I was blown away that the scripture had solutions for every struggle I had experienced Mm. and I had walked through. And it was so applicable to marriage and parenting. And every class, I just ate it up because I was amazed that God's word had solutions. Yeah. Amen. 
And although I really value my degree in social work and it really helped me with things like case management Mm -hmm. at Vision of Hope, honestly, the degree left me wondering how I could really help people. Mm. Didn't really feel equipped, especially in the area of counseling. I had no idea how to counsel people based on a four-year social work degree. Isn't that amazing? Yes. But after going through just the 11-week counseling course, I really was feeling very equipped just to disciple other women in my life. Hmm. And so I remember when you announced Vision of Hope. Isn't that something? I remember that very vividly. Mm -hmm. I I think think many of us do. Yes, I think it was Mother's Day. You're right about that. You're exactly (laughs) right about that. And how beautiful, how beautiful that that was Mother's Day. And honestly, I was getting a little angry at you. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) Turn off the tape. (laughs) Because I don't know if you remember, but you kept talking about the struggle women have, but that we already had so many ministries in place that we couldn't do that. Do you remember that? You oh, kept saying, oh, absolutely. But we can't do that. We can't do that. And I was like, why not? <laughs> Pastor Byers, come on, let's do it. Let's do it. And I was getting real squirmy in my seat, like, you know, just kidding around. I wasn't really angry, but I was thinking, why couldn't we do that? Yeah. Maybe we can't do it right now, but we could in the future. And when you announced that we couldn't do it, but God could, that's right. I was so thrilled. And I thought to myself, I'm going to volunteer there as much as I possibly can. Oh, very cool. Very that cool. That was what I thought. You know, Heather, I don't know that I've ever heard the first part of the testimony that you told me or that you told our listeners today. Thank you for being willing to share that. It's interesting how God used that terrible pain as part of developing who you are and the sensitivity you have to people who are hurting. And thanks for being willing to share that with our listeners. And I'm wondering about someone else who might be listening right now who's in the middle of one of those hurts and wondering, could God ever use that? Could he ever work it for good? And the answer from your story is yes, isn't it? Absolutely, he can. And he can also bring you to the place where you're grateful you can thank him for that experience, knowing it brought you to where you are today. And I do share my testimony at Vision of Hope with our ladies. I bet you do. And I tell them I wouldn't be here if that hadn't happened. I would be in LaPorte, Indiana, where I was born and raised. I would not be in Lafayette if that hadn't happened. That's really a fascinating way to think about this, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank you for being willing. And I think also after you were hurt in that way, you kept pursuing the Lord, so you didn't choose a route of bitterness or of some sort of sinful pursuit. You, continue, you went to Christian college, you developed godly friendships, even in the midst of your hurt, mm-hmm. and then trusted the Lord for whatever he had next. And in your particular situation, what God had next was very good, wasn't it? It really was. It was abundantly more than I could ever ask or yeah, imagine, yeah. for sure. You know, you've talked about your work with young ladies struggling with unplanned pregnancies or drug abuse or eating disorder, self-harm. Wow, that's got to be some of the, the most challenging work that can happen in a community, that can happen in counseling. So can you tell us how the doctrines of sufficiency of Scripture and biblical progressive sanctification Is it really enough when you're dealing with people with those kind of life-dominating issues? You're not talking about this theoretically in a classroom. You're doing it every day. Is it enough, Heather? Absolutely. And it's very freeing. You know, I have had training in secular talk therapy, Mm -hmm. 
And I found it really interesting one day when I was watching, of all things, the Weather Channel. <laughs> <laughs> and this reporter was interviewing these dear folks who had been struck by a tsunami or a hurricane or something like that. And they had lost everything. I mean, their home was flattened. And they took the microphone and they held it up and said, how do you feel about that? And then they put it into the face of the dear people who had just gone through that. They were probably in shock. Mm. And how do you feel about that? And what did it, And I thought, that's very similar to the training I received. <laughs> how do you feel about Because the philosophy is, the at that time, when I was in college, the philosophy is the answer is really deep within. Mm -hmm. And you are the person who's going to try to help them find that answer. Right. You shouldn't give them counsel or advice. Mm -hmm. You should do talk therapy and how does that make you feel so that they can find the answer on their own. Yeah. And I thought that doesn't seem even reasonable. If they had the answer on their own, why would they come to me right. for counseling? Mm -hmm. And when ladies are sitting in the counseling chair at Vision of Hope, they want answers. And God's word has an answer for absolutely everything they have experienced, mm -hmm. the suffering they have experienced. It has meaning. It explains who God is mm -hmm. and what he could possibly be doing in the midst of suffering. And they find incredible hope when someone can give them answers that they haven't ever heard before. You know, that's a really interesting way to articulate that. I appreciate that, that it's not particularly helpful to tell a person who is suffering, you have the answers inside of you. They've been looking and looking for the answers inside and haven't found them. It could actually just breed additional hopelessness. But to be able to open up the sufficient Word of God, which in places like Second Peter 1, 3 says that God has given us all we need for life and godliness. And so to be able to open up the life-giving power of the Word and minister it in a situation like that, it must be so delightful to sit in that seat and watch that happen. Absolutely. And on the flip side of that, even recently I was working with a woman who struggled with a very intense eating disorder for many, many years. And I've been working with her a long time, and it's it's now the time frame where you can say harder things than yeah. what you want to say the first session. Uh -huh, sure. And we really had a conversation about sin. Mm. And she said, you know, no one has ever called this sin before. Mm. And I thought, how simple, yeah. but how deep. Right. How deep that that was what she needed to know. That's she right. needed to know these behaviors and especially this way of thinking and the heart desires that are breeding these thoughts and actions are sinful. Yeah. And sometimes we think, well, it's not very loving to call people sinners. It is actually. It's the most loving thing we can do. And she later wrote me a note that said, for the first time, I have hope. That's fascinating. And, you know, for someone listening to this, say, well, that's not loving. Well, it is if we have an answer for sin. You know, if we just talked about sin and then walked out of the room, it would be unloving. But as followers of Jesus Christ, we have an answer. We have the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We have the possibility of being forgiven of our sin. We have the possibility of having the clothed righteousness of Jesus placed on our account. So our stand before him is entirely different because we've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And so you're exactly right. There's hope. Whereas if we just give it some secular label, Where's the redemption in that? Where's the change? Where's the forgiveness in any of that? And so I think you're exactly right. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, you know, you're working with young ladies, and as you just said, for some, 
they've never heard what Scripture might say about the issues of the heart that are leading to the behaviors that they're choosing. How do they respond when you give them the Word of God? What's that like in the counseling room? Oftentimes, their first response is maybe a little defensiveness, but we do a careful screening process, and we really prepare the ladies that we're going to talk about hard things, Mm -hmm. and so they know it's coming, and sometimes they need a little bit of time. So they might not be excited to hear what I have to say in that moment. They might try to maybe make some excuses or explain away why it isn't sin or things like that. But typically, if you give them a little bit of time and some good homework assignments, they're often coming the next week or even in a couple days and sharing with you that they can see how what you're sharing with them is really truth from God's Word. Well, and do you think it's important that the ministry is in the context of a local church? And so... These young ladies are coming to church services. We don't sequester them, so they come to our worship services, they come to our small groups, and hopefully they're hearing a dynamic that we all need to change. In fact, our former pastor, Pastor Good, used to like to say, there's only one perfect person around here, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ, and the rest of us are seeking to grow and change and become more like him. And as followers of Christ, once we've been redeemed, Part of that sanctification process is taking the log out of our own eyes before we focus on the speck of somebody else. That means being honest about our need to continue to change. It means being honest about our own sin. So I would think it would be easier for a young lady to acknowledge hers if she's in the context of a local church where that's just part of the DNA for everybody. There's no special category of people who have sinned where everybody else in the church acts like they're perfect. Mm -hmm. That's why I think it's so important for a ministry like Vision of Hope to be um, nested alongside a local church and all the rest of the ministries of the church. Mm Yes, it's just a part of our program. It would be a tragedy to be separated from a church. When we talk with the ladies about putting into practice what they're hearing in counseling, I often challenge them because they might say, well, we haven't worked on that yet. I said, yes, but what is the sermon series about right now? (laughs) Or what is the FCI class that you've been attending on Wednesday nights? What's the topic of that? The ladies also hear morning classes almost every day. They get live teaching, Mm -hmm. and then they have an afternoon recorded class on various sermon series. Mm -hmm. So counseling isn't once a week. It's all week long because we're part of the church body. I think it's also interesting that members of our church will invite the young ladies from Vision of Hope over to their homes for special events and that sort of thing, where the young ladies are able to see a Christian family in action. They're able to see the dynamics of what it looks like when the Word of God is your source of truth and Jesus is the one that you're seeking to love. That too, that part of the body life for an organization. You you said a minute ago that you think it would be a tragedy if VOH was not nested in a local church. I would think some of those positive relationships would be helpful too. Very much, and especially after graduation. The ladies don't want to feel like, okay, now what? Mm -hmm. So we're constantly merging them into the church body. We're encouraging them to get involved in an ABF very regularly. We're encouraging them to find a women's Bible study and develop relationships there. We encourage mentors. And 
my husband and I have a real passion to reach out to graduates as well. Uh So when we have a game night, we invite a graduate over. Uh When we have a bonfire, we invite graduates over. They need to be in community, not just you're here for a time and that's when we care about you when you live a vision of hope and then we're done with you. Uh We have a vision of hope alumni and we're working harder and harder and harder to make sure that we're following through with those alumni. And on the other hand, you had asked earlier, how do the ladies respond? And sometimes they don't respond well at all, and they actually leave the program. We try to follow up with them maybe four to six months after they leave. We reach out to them, pray with them, ask them how they're doing, get an update in their life, not necessarily with the goal of let's try to get them to come back. We don't want to talk people into coming back because Mm. it's not going to be successful if we talk them into it. Uh But we want to reach out to them and offer service, support, and care. Most importantly, care. We still care about you. So we're Mm. going to pick up the phone and give you a call. Yeah. And it's interesting. You know, someone listening to this might have said, you know, I was on board till I heard that. But some of the graduates of Vision of Hope don't go back home some of them decide to make Lafayette their home and faith their church. So if I start a ministry like Vision of Hope, we're going to eventually populate our church family in part with Vision of Hope graduates. Is that true and is that okay? What do you think about that? That's true and praise the Lord for that. (laughs) That makes our church a better place. It's beautiful to see our graduates serving in our church in various ministries. It's such a joy. And I remember one conversation I had with a graduate at a time when I was struggling a little bit. And I said, I guess now you're in the counselor chair, and Mm. now I'm the counselee. These ladies have a year of God's Word being poured into them, and they are wonderful church members who then often mentor other church members, women in the church. They get involved in Bible studies, and they're a terrific, terrific asset to our church, and we see God working in their lives and using them. So we're not a country club, are we? No. No. And it is interesting. If you start a community-based counseling center, if the Lord eventually blesses with some of these residential programs like Vision of Hope for Women or our Restoration Men's Ministry, it will change the dynamics of the church family. It'll change the makeup of the church family over time. You kind of like that, don't you, Heather? I really like that. I really do. It can be very challenging at times. I'm not going to pretend like it's always easy. There are days I seriously drive home from work and tears are running down my face Mm -hmm. because it's very challenging. But what does that do for me? It draws me to the Lord because he's my strength, and I cannot do it without him. And I think that being in this type of ministry has grown my relationship with Christ so much because I depend on him every day. I beg him for wisdom. I have to make really hard decisions. I've made the decision to dismiss someone from the program. That's terrible. Mm -hmm. No one wants to make that decision. But I also have to think about the 15 other women that are currently living in the home and what kind of influence this is having on the entire house, what tone it is. So you have to make hard decisions and you have to do hard things, but it does draw you to the Lord and you have the support of your church. You have the ability to talk to other godly women in your church and leadership 
and your pastors when you need more help. Well, and doesn't the Lord want the Church of Jesus Christ to be on the tip of the spear where the needs are greatest in the community? And we shouldn't run from this, not if we really believe our Bibles, Mm -hmm. not if we really believe in the doctrine of our sufficiency in Christ. So Heather, thank you so much for just allowing the Lord to work in you and to bring you to a place where you could serve with such excellence. And our hope and prayer is that other churches will hear this story and say, you know, that's a ministry that we could start, maybe at a different scale, that's not really the point, but we could certainly begin to move in that, believing that God will bless and God will give us all the resources necessary. And I just say to all of our listeners, if you're saying, how do I start with the training? Check out our website, faithlafayette.org conferences. You can learn about the six different tracks of training and the different ways that you can receive that training. And Heather, I just want you to know, I'm so thankful to Jesus Christ for working in your heart and life. So thankful to see what God is doing through Vision of Hope and thank you for sharing your story today. You're welcome. Thank you for inviting me, and thank you for allowing me the honor to work at Vision of Hope. Amen. Thank you, Heather. You can check out more about our ministry at faithlafayette.org, or if you're interested in receiving biblical counseling training, go to faithlafayette.org conferences. You can find these presentations wherever you normally access your podcasts, And you could really help us just to get the word out by telling your friends on social media that these presentations are going to be available. Our hope and our prayer is that this podcast honors the Lord and is a blessing to you.